morning, church. <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Good morning, church. Let's get a little excited this morning. Glad you guys are here this morning, and uh, I know that you know we keep navigating uh, interesting times. And it seems like some of the uh, virus numbers have spiked, and so we're just being as safe as we can. So if you're at home uh, today watching online uh, because of all this, maybe we're glad that you're watching today and that you're connected with us today. Uh, I'll actually be monitoring online services this morning, so if you get any questions or thoughts, uh, you can private message me or comment me on there. Uh, if today, because of what Jason's preaching, uh, you need some more information if you're online, then please send me a message on there. If you're here and you have not made the step yet to become a member of Shelby Christian Church, and after last week when we talked about salvation... And today, Jason's going to be talking about the value of being a member of the local church. Uh, our covenant membership forms are on all the communion tables. So when you come up to get your uh, emblems, if you haven't gotten one and you would like one, even if it's just to look over, uh, please pick one up. And then if that's something uh, that you want to do, all you got to do is fill it out at the end of the service, drop it in one of the black boxes, drop it in the white buckets, uh, whatever works for you there. Let me remind you that ladies, in a little bit less than two months now, uh, we prayerfully, hopefully, will be hosting uh, Jennifer Rothschild, Lisa Welchel. Uh, some of you guys remember her from TV shows. She's the guest uh, that will be here with us for Fresh Grounded Faith. And that's March 5th and 6th, Friday night and Saturday, in between services today. Uh, we'll be selling tickets back at the table back there. And also there's a table back there uh, with sign-up sheets for uh, second and third step of Pathways. Hey, before we get started this morning, I just want to do something a little bit different, a little bit special. Um, it's been almost 34 years since I, uh, Kim and I moved here and became part of Shelby Christian. And I was the youth minister. Uh, we've been married nine months and trying to figure out all that and everything else along the way. And a lot of time has passed, but one, there's been one constant in all of that journey for us, and it, it started really uh, as I was the youth minister. Uh, early on, we started growing, and I couldn't kind of handle everything, and I had this volunteer that was incredible. Uh, she did children's choirs and everything else, and then we said, hey, would you be our children, our part-time children's pastor and just take that on? And so we started paying her to do that. And since then, she's done not only children's choirs and children's pastor. Uh, she's helped lead our adult choir. She'd already done that. Uh, she was instrumental in putting together Sweet Spirit. She has been in the back working our uh, slides for I don't know how many years now. And it's just a new season for her just to enjoy worship. But we wanted to say, well done. Marie, we love you. Would you come up here for a minute? You got, you got to come up here, Marie. And we wanted to do it in this service because we know a lot of you guys in here uh, have been on that journey with us and known that. And so I went to Marie's favorite store. <laughs> no, I'm going to come down to you, sweetheart, because uh, I'm so much younger. That's part of our ongoing joke. We love you. And there's some special stuff in there. Enjoy. And thank, thank you for everything. When you see it. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank her when you see her today. Because that's, I mean, like four decades of service in various areas. And she just found one job and then another job and another job. That's what it means to serve. So well done. Now, would you guys stand? 
Let's worship. Let's worship this morning and see what God's going to do today as Jason teaches us. We're glad you guys are here.
Church, we're going to teach you all a new song this morning. There's some lines I love in this song. One of the first lines is, let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all my anxiety. Because fear, anxiety, and all those things, they can't survive when we praise our God. So as we learn this song this morning, let let these words speak to your heart today. Let praise be a weapon that's 
fear, anxiety, hopelessness, concern, distress, put whatever label you want onto it. We live in the midst of all those things. It's been a tough week all the way around. Some that everybody's aware of, some of that some of you probably aren't. Thursday this week, we had to do a memorial service for one of our young ladies that's been in our recovery program. I couldn't deal with the stress anymore. I told the family as we started the service, there was no point in candy coating or beating around the bush because as the saying is now, it is what it is. We, we come to this time and I, I want to remind you, it is what it is. Things have gone on all around us this week that we've watched and yet... A sovereign God knew that there's no point in us beating around the bush. We needed to talk about it. And so, <laughs> how's this? Next week, we start a brand new series called The Separation of Church and Hate. How do we navigate these times? How do we live in a time that's full of fear and anxiety and stress? As we just learned, we, we praise Him. How in the world can we do that? How in the world do we praise God during the midst of some of the stuff that's going on right now? Drug epidemics, pandemics, racial unrest, political unrest. How do we praise him in the middle of that? I would suggest to you that the only way that we can praise him in the middle of that is because of what we're about to do right now. And taking just a few moments to remember that Jesus won. That Jesus won when he conquered fear. And he conquered anxiety. He conquered worry and stress. And and he did that with arms open wide on a cross. And then a tomb open wide. As he walked out. To say you don't need to be afraid. In this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And he did that. And we celebrate that each week during this time of communion. We also celebrate as we give because we know that our tithes and offerings go around the world. Some places that it's hard for us to believe right now, but there's actually places in the world that need the gospel even more desperately than, than we currently do because of their current situation. That's even worse than what we find ourselves in. And, and so we worship as we commune, we worship as we give, in the midst of the storm, and we praise Him. Let's pray together. God, we thank You. We love You. We thank You for loving us. Enough to give us Jesus and enough to give us calm in the midst of the storms of life. And so, God, I pray that you will bless this time when we remember what Jesus did for us.
Help us to take with open hearts in such a way that we can be reminded. Help us to give with open hearts in a way that the whole world may know. And we might continue to make Jesus famous around the world. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.
Uh, there's a, a phrase in the first part of that song that, um, honestly, I don't know if I'd really paid much attention to until just this morning. And it says, I know how, I know how this story ends, right? You, you know what gives me hope? You know what, um, encourages, is it, I'm a song? Okay. You know what encourages me? We know how the story, I know how the story, most of you know how the story ends, right? We, we don't know how it's all going to play out, but we know how this ends. We know how it ends because we know what the end of this says, right? And we know the story that God's word, that the gospel shares with us. And so we know. A lot of us here this morning in this room watching online, we, we know how the story ends. And so in the midst of whatever, right, we can, we can go on. I, I try to be, uh, and I, for the most part, I, I am this kind of a person. I love to be a, a glass half full, right, person, a positive person, like whatever. And I realize sometimes people are like, they just want to kind of like wallow in the misery of whatever's going on. So it's like a lot of people don't even want to hear that. They're like, oh, you know, we don't hear that right now. Let us just kind of be, you know, depressed or whatever. But I, I, I just, every morning I wake up and I'm like, God, this is a new day, a new opportunity. This is a new week. This is a new year. This is a new whatever. Right. And so there are these opportunities. This phrase has been kind of just in my heart and mind. It started really back in, you know, March of, of last year. And it's, it's still today in my mind, in my heart. And I pray this, God, there are opportunities in the middle of the chaos. There are opportunities in the middle of the chaos. God, show me where the opportunities are in the middle of the chaos. God, where can I be a light? Where can I be positive a positive influence influence in the middle of this chaos. And here's what I love about this morning. I get to preach about the church. You know who God is counting on to share the news that it's all going to work out in the end with the world? You know who he's counting on to take that message into a broken, dying, dark world. He's counting on the church. That's us, right? And so we get to be a part of this incredible thing that God has established, that that God came up with. Man did not come up with the idea of the church. God did. It it was his idea. Have you guys ever, um, have you ever been, have you ever felt excluded from a group of people. Maybe when you were a kid, there was a group of people playing out. There was a picture, there's a picture here, this next picture, this little girl. Maybe you're, you know, you've seen this play out before where there's a group of kids and they kind of just exclude another kid. Maybe that happened to you or you as a teacher or a parent, you know, if you're a parent and your kid seems to be excluded from a group and you see this and you see all this kind of playing out, doesn't it just break your heart? They're like, Oh man, I wish I wish that was different. Maybe it was for you. Maybe it was in high school and there was this group of people that you just thought were so cool. And like, I wish I could be a part of that group. And they just wouldn't accept you for whatever reason. Maybe you went to college and you didn't get accepted in that fraternity, that sorority. And you so desperately wanted to be in that group of people. And they just weren't going to, they weren't going to have it. Right. We've all, maybe at work, there's this little clique of of people that kind of, they kind of, you know, they'll stand over in the corner, they'll go out to lunch or these things, and you're like, oh, I just wish, I wish I could be a part 
of that little group. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. You're like, oh, I wish that I could be included uh, in, in that group of people. As adults, we still kind of battle that sometimes, don't we? Here's the deal. We all want to belong to something. We all want to be a part of something. And when we're not, it breaks our heart. We're wired. God created us to connect. And when we don't connect and can't connect with others, we, we begin to suffer, don't we? We begin to suffer spiritually and emotionally and physically. We suffer when we can't connect with other people. It's why last year and what we're going through right now has been so hard because a lot of people had to isolate themselves and so they can't connect with one another in a real relational, physical way. And so we've, we've kind of had to do that for some of us. And so it's been really hard for a lot of, a lot of people. And so when we do that, when we see that played out in our lives, we suffer. But here's, here's the great news in all of that, in the middle of that tension, right? Is that God comes along and he says, you, the church, you're going to be this place where people belong. Where, where, where people can find connection with one another and with me. You know, if, if I was in charge of like the signs that we were putting up out front and we were going to put up a big sign and say, hey, what would you, what would the one phrase you would want to be out there on the front lawn or on the front of the building or whatever? You know what? This week I've been thinking of this. You know what the one, one phrase I would probably put right now is? You belong. You belong here. And I would want every person in driving distance, in walking distance, that could ever possibly ever get here on a Sunday to know you belong here. This is for you because God created us to be a part of his church. I want you to listen to this encouraging passage of scripture. This is Paul in Ephesians chapter two. He wrote these words to a young church in Ephesus. And, and he wants to encourage them. These are non-Jewish people. These are Gentiles. He wants to encourage them. Uh, and so he writes them this letter. And this is part of what he says. Paul was a, a, a missionary and his mission in life was to carry the good news of Jesus to the non-Jewish world. Listen to this. He says in Ephesians two nineteen. From now on, you are not strangers and people who are not citizens. You're chosen Together with those who belong to God, you belong in God's family. I want you to circle, notice, underline, whatever, that word family and that word belong. Because scripture's clear. We belong in God's family. Everyone, everyone who hears the gospel message and accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior has this opportunity to be, to belong, to be a part of, to be included in. There, there's no exclusion now in God's name. There, there was in the Old Testament. It was the Israelite people. It was the Jewish people. They were God's people. And so if you weren't Jewish, if you weren't from it, the Israelite nation, it, tough luck. And then Jesus comes along and he says, New ball game, different set of rules. I'm going to establish this church on earth and everyone and anyone could come to the father through Jesus. And so Paul is encouraging this Christian, these Christians, this group, this church in Ephesus with these words. And so this morning, um, I want to start out by giving us 
three important truths about the church. Here's the first truth. Truth number one. The church is a family. You notice it says there that God's family. It doesn't say the church is like a family. It says the church is a family. It's a spiritual family. In fact, your spiritual family is going to outlast your physical family. You know that? You realize that? We realize that, right? That, that our spiritual family will outlast our physical family. And then when we get to heaven, everyone who's there is a part of this family. We are part of the same family. And, and so one of the things that we have to realize and think about when we understand is that when we think about our earthly families, some of our, our families are, are sick. Some of them are strong. Some of them are weak. Some of them are small. Some of them are big, right? Some of our families have hurt us. They've let us down. You have family members that have deeply wounded you and hurt you and offended you. And it's hard to get over those things. And the same thing could be said about the church, right? The church is made up of of us, of people, and, and none of us are perfect, Far from it, right? And so what do we do? We do the same thing sometimes. We hurt each other. We offend each other. We let each other down. But we're a part of this family. And we realize that because we've been called as a Christian to be a part of this family, it's important. It's important to us. It should be. And it's, it's important to God. So the first truth is that we, we all should be a part of the family. The second one is this truth number two. God expects me to be a member of a family. Notice he says you belong in God's family. <clears throat> Excuse me. Meaning it's God's will. It's not optional. Every Christian needs one. Just like a football player needs a team. Right? A private needs a platoon. A bird needs a flock. A bee needs a nest. We need each other. We're stronger together in our faith grow stronger. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so the word, when the word church is used in the Bible, it's used two different ways. Let me take a drink here. Maybe that'll help. It's used two different ways. The first way is only used four times in the Bible. And it's, it's referring to the church as the universal church. So the, the churches that are meeting all over the world and all kinds of different places today and, and every other day. So they're meeting in, and some of them are meeting in large cathedrals. Some of them are meeting in auditoriums like this, maybe. Some of them all over the world are meeting in huts. They're, they're meeting in homes. They're meeting in tents. They're meeting everywhere. And so the, the, the church, the universal church, all kinds of different denominations in different ways, the, those people are meeting all over the world. That's the church. It's referred to about four times in the New Testament. Every other time that the word church is mentioned, it's a different definition. It's a different word. It's, it's meant to be, uh, or it's referred to as the local church. A local group of people. A body of believer, believers who are gathered in a specific place. And so it's clear. It's clear in God's word that, that every person is called to be a member of this family. And then the third truth is this. A Christian without a church family is an orphan. Another version of, of Ephesians 2 says this, you belong in God's household with every other member of the church. Jesus gives us at least 30 instructions in the New Testament, 30 instructions that cannot be fulfilled unless we're part of a local church. And so making the decision to join a church, to be a part of a church, whatever, whatever word or phrase you want to use, it's something that can't be taken lightly. It shouldn't be treated flippantly. 
You know, choosing a, a church family, it's, it's just not the same as deciding, you know, today I think I'll shop at Kroger. And the next week I'll maybe go over to Walmart. And then let's try Target, right? Let's figure out what, where I need to be, what I need, where I need to go, what, what place best meets my needs, my shopping needs. And so I'll just kind of bounce around from there to there to there. A lot of times I've, I've seen this over, <clears throat> over the years that, that some folks will treat the church the same way. Let's go here for a while. And, and I've even had this, I've even had this phrase used before. We're just church shopping. <laughs> I was like, okay. All right. Whatever. So, but like, you know, kind of bouncing around from place to place to place. The Bible says that if you're a Jesus of follower, it means that you are part of the body of Christ. And he says, Jesus says, you could be the hand, you could be the ear, you could be the eyes, you could be the nose, you could be the liver, you could be the heart, you could be the lungs. But what would happen? Right? What would happen if, if, if one of those appendages, if, if one of those organs becomes disconnected from the body? Right? And not to get kind of gross with your graphic, but think about that for a second. You lose a finger, you lose a toe, you lose a hand, you lose an arm, an organ's, you know, taken out. If it's just laying there on the table, disconnected for very long from the body, what's going to happen to it? It's going to shrivel up, it's going to die. And so when Jesus comes along and he says, you, we, the church, is the body of Christ. And so you play a part. I play a part. We all play a part in this. And when we choose to disconnect ourselves from it, we begin to die. Because we are not intended to walk through this journey called life alone. And I don't think it's ever been more obvious than over this last year. That we desperately, we desperately need to be in connection with one another as the church, physically. And, 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 and so, you know, this, in 2020, when we decided we were going to have to pause, right, in, in, in person, it, it was the worst, whatever that was, month and a half, two months of my life. It, it broke my heart. I can tell you it broke a lot of people's hearts. And we, we, the staff, we'd come up here and sit out in the lobby and, and, and just kind of like, and, and try to, you know, do the online stuff. And it's like, we should be together. We have to be together. We've got to figure out how to be together. And so I've prayed. One of my big prayers in 2020, 2020 was like, God, may we never, never do that again. Because we have to be together. God created us to be together, to be the body. And when we lose that... We're in real, real danger. And so here's the big idea this morning. I want to share with you these last five things that we're going to talk about, and I'll be done. We're connected. Or excuse me. We're created by God to be connected to one another and to him through the church. We're created. That's the big idea this morning. By God to be connected to one another and to him through the church. And so here's what we do. At Shelby Christian Church, a lot of you guys have heard this stuff, know this stuff, um, will we'll be familiar with the, what I'm going to share with the rest of the, the morning here. But maybe it's just a r- reminder. Maybe it's just like, oh, yeah, that's I've, I've, I've forgotten. That's what we kind of are about here. We put over here on the wall. And so here's what happens. A lot of times when something's on, you know, in your house, 
You got to say this. Probably when there's something in your house that like has been there for so long, you just kind of then you just kind of ignore it. You kind of look right past it, right through it, because you just get used to it. It's a piece of furniture. It's maybe a picture. It's whatever. And like after a while, you're like, you, you, and then one day you look at it and you go, you know, I don't know. I don't. We need to get rid of that because I've just kind of it's been here. And I don't like it, whatever. And it's kind of like, and, and you just you just ignore it because it's been there so long. You just get used to it. And sometimes I have I have a feeling we do this with with these five things over on the wall. You probably some of you might come here before and like, oh yeah, I forgot that those are up there. But there are five banners over here on the wall, colorful, colorful banners. And these five banners represent the five core values that we carry forward at Shelby Christian Church. When we do our pathways a class with folks, we call them our spiritual DNA. And, and here's what we're saying. You think about your DNA, right? It's like what's woven in what you are, what God put inside of you. And it's, it's just in you. And so we've said, hey, what are the five traits? What are the five core values at Shelby Christian Church that we said, hey, if we could all be on the same page in these areas, then, then we could really make a difference in this world for Jesus. And so here are the, the five things. I want to walk through these real quick with you. Just a reminder to some of you. These are the things that when you pick up, if you are someone looking to, to join Shelby Christian, maybe you're online and you want to think about this, pray about this. Some of you guys in this room this, this morning, this 830 hour. Uh, these are the things when you look at that covenant sheet, these next five things that I'm going to cover are, are on there. And it's just uh, affirming for us that we are in agreement with, with these things. And the first thing we say is that we want to, we want to value worship. And so we worship God with our thoughts, our actions, and our words. And so the first one there, there are three little bullet points under each one of these. We want to be committed to a daily personal worship. Our Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And so may... Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10 o'clock or 11.30, whatever time a folk, someone would choose to come to a worship service. If, if that is the only hour or, or this hour and then your, your, your life group hour is the only hour or two every week that you're connecting with God, then, then we're going to suffer spiritually. Right? And so what we understand is that there are opportunities every day, all the time, to, to worship to be reminded of who God is and what he's doing and to praise him and to give glory back to him <clears throat> about, um, gosh, I bet, I guess it's been eight, nine years ago. Now our family, um, Brody's 12. So yeah, he was probably like four, three or four, five, six years old around that age. When we would go on vacation <clears throat> in the summer, <clears throat> excuse me, when we go on vacation, I guess it was when Braden was about, or Brody was about four. My son Braden was born. And so we went on vacation this one time. And, and a new baby, and, and Melinda is just kind of recovering from, you know, having, having the baby. And so we get, we get it in the condo on this beach vacation. And Brody, our, our uh, at that time, four-year-old, well, he was an early riser. And so he got up, like, bouncing off the walls at 6 o'clock every morning. So I knew when we piled in this condo, he's going to wake up tomorrow morning really early. And so I had this plan in my mind. I said, okay, Brody, when Brody gets up, I'm going to get him up, get him out of the condo. We'll walk down to the beach so that Melinda and the baby can, can sleep and, and get some rest. And so <clears throat> we did that. We started doing that. And I remember that first morning. We, we get up, and we, we're walking out the, the door down to the beach. And it's still dark, right? And you're like, I don't. Like, I'm not supposed to be, like, getting up before the sun gets up on vacation. 
But that's what we did. And I remember uh, Birdie and I walking down the beach, and we put our chairs there on the beach, and we watched the sunrise. And, and it became this really just cool interaction that he had. And almost every vacation now, we'll, we'll do that. Now Melinda and Braden have joined us. But we'll go, and we'll sit out, and we'll sit there, and we'll watch the sunrise, and we'll watch the ocean come in and out. And in those early years, when Brody started, Brody, he was always a very inquisitive little guy. So he'd always ask these questions. And so I just remember at five, six, seven, eight years old, like he and I just sitting there watching the sunrise, watching the water come in and out, and having these conversations about God and his creation. And just like, wow, God, you did this. And Brody was like, man, God's really cool. He did this, right? And so I always think about this when I get to this, this point uh, in, in our Pathways course because there are opportunities for us every day to just stop and go, God, you're so cool. Oh, God, that is awesome. God, I'm going to praise you and I'm going to worship you. I recognize that this creation, this thing that you created is beautiful. And it's incredible, and I can't even understand it completely, but I know it comes from you. And so what is it for you that every day allows you to just stop? Maybe it's something in the morning you get up before everyone else gets up. Maybe it's in the evening, but when everyone else goes to bed, you grab your Bible, you grab a journal. Maybe it's on on the way to work. You put put some Christian music on the radio and you're listening to that. Maybe it's, it's, it's praying as you're driving to work, hopefully with your eyes open, but you're driving to work and you're praying and you're talking, right? What is it for you every day, every day that you say, God, I'm going to connect with you and then when the body gathers back here on a Sunday morning, right? This is a group of people then that have spent all week with him. And so this is a celebration. Even in the midst of hard times, this is a celebration. Wow, God, you've done some incredible things this week. You've reminded me of my blessings. You've reminded me that I still have breath in my lungs. You've reminded me of all the things. And then we come in here. And this is a celebration of who he is. That's what worship is about. The second one there is we want to be committed to a God-honoring lifestyle. That we say every decision we make, every choice we make, everything we do in our lives, we are going to honor God with the way that we live our lives. And then the third one under worship was we want to be committed to corporate worship. The gathering the corporate gathering of a, of a group of people. We are always going to be, it's important for us, the synergy and the energy and the connection that an experience like this morning brings us is going to be something that we will always be committed to in our worship. But notice that that is, that is a part of our worship. It's not the only part of it. And so the second one is study. Second part of our, our DNA, our, our core value number two, is study. We value the Bible as God's word. It guides the way we live. And so we are committed to the authority of Scripture. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so we, we look at God's Word and we say, God, your Word is, is the authority. It's complete, it's, it's your Word, it's our God. 
And then we're going to value it in that way. It's going to guide the way we live our lives. The second one there is we want to be committed to advancing our relationship with Christ. Um, in this number two here, what we usually tell people is, is a lot of this is going to happen in your small groups, in your life groups, in your ABFs, in your Bible studies, those kind of things. When you get in a, in a smaller group than this, sometimes it's hard to connect in a large you know, a large auditorium with a lot of people on Sunday morning. You don't, you don't get to really, really see people connect to people, especially now, right? And so when we get back to where we're able to, like, more people are to gather in, in life groups and study groups and, and Bible studies and those kind of things. That's where a lot of, obviously, this is, this is going to take place. But we want to be committing, committed to advancing our relationship with Christ, taking that next step. A lot of times, you, you know, you guys hear this. We, we share this with everybody that comes through the doors here. Is the, here's the deal. It doesn't matter. Where you are today in your walk, whether you're someone who, who has no idea what it means to follow Jesus, and you don't even know what, like, well, you don't even know what a baptistry is, you don't even know what a, you don't even know, you've never seen a person get baptized. Maybe there's somebody that walks through the doors and that's where they are. Or maybe you're someone who's sitting here today, and you're like, why, you know, why are you all talking to us about this stuff? We get it, we've been doing this stuff for years, and, and like, I, I was thinking about this this morning, just praying back there before I came up here. I came to Shelby Christian Church. My mom told me this. I didn't realize this until a few years ago. I came to Shelby Christian Church in February of 1978. I was five years old. And I don't know what it feels like or look like to not be a part of this church. I have no idea. I have no recollection of what life was like before Shelby Christian Church was my home church. It's the only place I've ever called my home church, other than a couple of churches that I ministered at when I was there. I would consider them part of my... But when they say, where'd you grow up? What church you went? Shelby Christian Church was my home church. And so when I think about, well, I've been here for so long, you know, I think about Marie and like her, like the, the four decades of, of, of service in ministry. And it's like, here's what I guarantee you about Marie. She's not like, she's going to still serve her family. She's going to still serve her friends. She's going to still serve her. She'll find ways. Some of you have found ways for, for decades to serve. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if today's your first day or if you've been here for 40 years, there's always a next step to take to advance your relationship. And so some of you are sitting out there and you're, you don't have any idea. You're like, I've, I've, I've read it. I've read it every year for the, I've read it. I've read through this thing, Jason, 30 times. Maybe you've read through it every year for the last 30 years. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what else there is. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you go home today in this week, in this month and say, God, what do you, what do you, what do you have for me? What do you want for me? What do I need to do to advance my relationship with you? There's a step that you can take. And, and that's true for all of us. And then the third one, understudying and advancing our relationship, is we want to be committed to being held accountable by other Christians. A lot of that help happens in, in a small group. It's going to happen in a men's Bible study or a women's Bible study or a life group where you can sit down at a, at a table, at Cracker Barrel, or in somebody's living room, or in one of the, you know, in a, a room here or a corner here or somewhere, at, wherever, all right, at the, at the lunch uh, you know, table at, at, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in the backyard, you're, you're sitting down with a group of people that you know and that know you and that you're growing together. You're walking together through life and you know that you can count on them and they know that they can count on you. And so then when times get hard, 
You go to them and you say, hey, would you pray for me? Would you guys help me? Would you hold me up in prayer this week? I've got this big job interview going on. I need, I need your prayers. Or I just found out that, that my loved one is, is battling this, this sickness. Would you all pray for me? And, and those people rally around you. They're there supporting you, right? When, when, when I've, I've seen this kind of play out in my life before, the times where I've been able to sit down with a group of men, a small group of men, and say, hey, here, here's what we're dealing with. Share, let's share our struggles. Let's share our pains. Let's share what, what we struggle with as men. And when we can look at other people and say, hey, would you pray for me? Because I'm really struggling in this area. And then the next time we get together, we're like, hey, how, how are things going? Right? Hey, we, I've been praying for you. How are you doing? How are things in the, with that situation? Right? This accountability that takes place. It's not going to really happen in a room like this. But it will happen when we get in those small groups. And so that's why that's so, so important. The third value is serve. We use our talents and abilities to make a positive impact in this world. And so we want to be committed to the example of Christ. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus shows us what it means to serve others. We want to be committed to developing a heart, a servant's heart. Notice the word developed there. It's in that phrase. And a heart of serving others must be developed. We have to work at it. It's not something that comes naturally to us. Galatians 5, 13 and 14 says, Serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we do. We have to, we have to develop a heart because our heart naturally turns inward towards ourselves. But we naturally just kind of are, are, want to look at ourselves and focus on ourselves. And it's not intuitive to us to say, you know what? I'm going to give myself in service to others. And so we have to develop that. We have to work on that. I remember years ago when we start, first started taking students on mission trips. And, and, and the things that, that I would stand on the stage and talk to them about week after week after week after week, it seemed like I'm, I'm just, you know, you're kind of running, you know, running into this brick wall, right? And then we got out in the world and we got our hands and feet dirty Right? We got down on our knees and, and, and did whatever they was asked of us to do. And it was amazing. I saw their faith come alive. And I was reminded, you know what? A servant's heart is something that has to be developed. And the third one there is we will be committed to discovering and using our talents and our gifts. Each one of you should use whatever gifts he has to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And so here's the deal. In this room, every one of you guys have a very unique set of talents and abilities. There are some of you, you people in this room, I almost said men, but it's men and women. Some of, you, some of you guys in this room are people who can fix stuff. Like when something breaks at your house, you can fix it. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the woman and the guy just like, you go fix it, honey, because you're better at that than me. I usually break it, you know, worse than I do when I fix it. So some of you ladies are good fixers. Here's the deal. I, I probably need to call you. To come fix it at my house, right? Because I'm not a fixer. I know who to call, though, to fix it at my house. There are things that you are wired with. There are things that you can do that, that other people can't do in this body. And God's called you to do that. He's called you to discover those talents and those abilities and then use them for his kingdom and his glory. And that's how we serve. And then the fourth one is, is give. We desire to be a community of generous givers in all things. And so we want to be committed to generosity in all things. Look at 1 Timothy 6. It says, I command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in the wealth 
in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Notice that generosity is about more than financial wealth. Do good and be rich in good deeds. A healthy church will excel in generosity of all kinds. We can be generous with our time and our attention. We can be generous with our talents and our abilities. We can be generous with our love and our service towards others. And so may we always continue to look for for ways to be a community of of generous givers. Another way we give is is we commit to, to tithing back to God. A healthy church will return the first portion of our finances back to God. And we understand that we are stewards of what God's given us, what he's blessed us with. It belongs to him and he's entrusted it to us. And so we give a portion of that back, a portion of his wealth back. And so the third one there is committed to those in need. Look at Matthew chapter 25. It says this, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. Clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. We will always be a family willing to help those who struggle with the basic needs in life. And may they find their way through to Jesus through our love and our generosity. We want to be a people who give from what God's given us. And when we give back and when we serve, those two kind of go, go hand to hand, right? Is that, that, that this faith of ours, it becomes alive. It becomes activated. It's active. And it changes the hearts of other people. God working through us in those ways. And then the fifth one, and we'll be done, is to share. Our our fifth value is to share our story. We are compelled by God's love to invite others into a relationship with Jesus. And so the first one there is committed to telling our story. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Here's what we talk about. We talk about being committed to your story. Every one of you in this room, if you were to go home this afternoon, and if you were to sit down with a piece of paper, half a sheet of paper, four, five, six lines, six sentences, and say, okay, God, what are you doing in my life today? God, how do I see you working in my life in this very moment? And you were to just write that down on a piece of paper. That, that, that's your, that could be called your testimony. That could be called like, all right, this is, this is what God's doing in your life right here today. God, I see you working in my life in this way. I see you working in my marriage and with my kids and at work. God, I see you working in our world in this way. Yes, even in the midst of, of chaos, there are opportunities. And God, I see you working. And so you write that down, right? And, and you look at that and you go, okay, this is, this is today, as of today in 2021, early 2020, this is what I see God doing in my life. And then you, you just prepare yourself. For an opportunity. And then if you'll, if you'll practice that, work, work, write that down, kind of go over and think about it in your mind and your heart. And if you'll say this prayer, God, would you give me the opportunity to share my story about how you've changed my life with someone this week? You know what he'll do? He'll, he'll put someone in your path this week to share that story with. I've had people take me up on this before, and I've had phone calls, I've had messages like, Jason, you're not going to believe this. 
I, I, I did that. I prayed that. And it like, it happened. And I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like there, if, if you could pray a lot of things, you're like, God, I don't know if you're going to answer this prayer or not. I, I, I'm not going to 100% guarantee you because, I, but like, I almost guarantee you, if you say, God, will you put someone in my path this week that I can share your story with my story about how you changed my life? He will do that. And here's what I know people will, will, will resonate with. They'll resonate with, with your story. Your neighbor, your friend, the, those non-believers, people that you work with. Right? They'll resonate with, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Maybe you don't know everything that this Bible contains. But you can sit down with someone at work and say, let me just share with you. Now that you've asked, right? now that we're kind of having this conversation, let me share with you. What Jesus has done in my life. And so you're committed to telling your story. The last two. Committed to making disciples of others. And then committed to worldwide evangelism. When we talk about making disciples of others. We say, who's, who's your one, right? Who's the one person that God's put in your path? That you're called to help lead to him. And then we talk about worldwide evangelism. And saying, taking this message, sharing it with the rest of the world. A lot of that we th- do through our Together Initiative and our Together Partners. We do that also right here in Shelbyville, Kentucky for the community, for the church, and for the world. And that's all played out that way. And so we believe that these five core values help us stay connected to God and each other. And here's what we ask. We ask that every member just simply sign this little piece of paper. This is, there's nothing magical or special about, about this. It's inclusive, which means anyone who is a baptized believer can sign it. And it's just affirming that you're in, that we know who we can count on, that we know who we can call on to, to maybe to, to lead. We know who we can count on and lean on when we need to. It's a step. It's the next step that, that people pay, take in their relationship with the church. Let me close this morning with, with this one quote. It's from Rick Warren. He says this. Pastors of church, a large church in California. He says this. I believe that you judge the health of a church not on its seating capacity, but on its sending capacity. How many people are mobilized for the Great Commission and then sent out all around the world? And then he said, we're in the sending business. Let's be in the sending business at Shelby Christian Church. How many people can we mobilize to take the gospel message around the world? And you know where that starts? That starts right here with us. Imagine. Would you just imagine what 2021 could look like if we worshiped passionately, if we studied God's word earnestly, if we served others humbly if we gave generously and if we shared every day and in every way if we did that if a few hundred people decided to do that if a few thousand people that call Shelby Christian Church home decided to do that we could change the world Would you guys pray with me? God, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about your church, to be reminded about what we've been called to. 
God, you have prepared a way. And you are the only way. And you've given us, your people, a great commission to go into this world, to share that love. The dying, broken, dark, chaotic world. And so may we be a people who continually look for opportunities to worship you every day, to study your word regularly, to serve you, to give back, and to share with others the hope that we have because of Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing this song. We'll be down here if you have a decision to make. Uh, uh, maybe a first-time decision. If some of you guys are here this morning, you're ready to uh, to affirm your your willingness to be a part of, of our family by signing those covenants, you can leave those here with us this morning. If you have any questions about those, we'd love to try to answer any of those this week as well through email or phone call, those kind of things. We love you guys. Thanks for being here this morning. Hey, before we sing this song, you guys that are in this service specifically, would you be praying for the next two? Because there's going to be a lot of folks in those next two that need to make a step. The need to take that next step. And so we were looking and expecting that to happen today. Let's sing. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it
uh, two quick things before you guys get out of here. If you're new this morning, there's an I'm new wall out there in the lobby. We'd love to connect with you and maybe answer any other questions you might have about the church. And also, if you've already gone through step one and like last year or, or even like the last two weeks and you're ready for step two and three, we're doing that on January the 19th out in the Common Grounds area. There'll be food and childcare provided. You can sign up for that at the back table today. Uh, and then don't forget the other things that Dave mentioned at the beginning of the service this morning. You guys have a great week. We love you guys, and we'll hope to see you back here next weekend.